First John chapter 2, 15 through 16. Uh, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay, so here we go. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. And if anyone loves the world, that the love of the Father is not in him. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And of course, the title of the message is, how can I not love the things that I'm drawn to? Okay, how can I not love the things that I'm drawn to? The interesting thing is, is that this comes out of our verse-by-verse Bible study in James. We were in chapter 4, verse 4, and we talked about being friends with God. Well, James talked about it, and then we dove into it. Being friends with God, uh, friends with God means being an enemy with the world. And being a friend of the world means being an enemy with God. And we brought this up um, uh, because of the verse-by-verse Bible study. Then we went back to chapter 1 in James, where he talked about how when we are tempted, it's not because it comes from God, but we are tempted because we're drawn away way by our own lust, right? And so, and so we, and, and so just from teaching and talking and we were going back and forth in the chat, it was like, how in the world am I not supposed to love these things that I am drawn to? Okay. So that's where this whole thing comes from. Now, now, now watch this in first John chapter two, verse 15 through 16. Uh, 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 we're told three things. Okay. There are three things we're told. We're told, do not love the world. Okay. Number one, don't love the world. Number two was don't love the things in the world. Okay. Don't love the world. Number two was don't love the things in the world. Number three was if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in us, okay? That's some hard truth. He says, number one, don't love the world. Number two, don't love the things in the world. And then number three, by the way, if you do love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. And so what is the world? We got to define this. What is he talking about the world? He's talking about people who are in the world. No, he's not talking about people, right? We're talking about the world. We're talking about the system of the world, the way this world works, the culture of this world, uh, the way the world goes about its business, the way they handle people, the way they, they treat people, the world's priorities, the definition of success that the world has placed. And one of my favorite books is the book Radical from David Platt. And he talks about how the church has adopted um, the world's mentality when it comes to how we worship and how we quote unquote do church. And, And specifically how we adopted the Western civilization or the American, the quote unquote American dream. And we've made like um, the American dream synonymous with like spiritual success. And, and, and it really takes the church off track. And so that's loving the things of this world. And so that's what the world is, the system, the culture, the way we do things, the way the world goes about business, uh, uh, the way every, we all do it this way. This is the way we do it. That's the whole thing, that definition of success. So the world system and the world ways of doing things. Now watch this. It also says in that scripture that the things of the world, so the system, the culture, the priority, the, 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 the definition of success, the things we should chase after, the way the world works, uh, it says the only thing that the world has to offer us are things that are not from God, okay? Now, he says that, that all that the world has to offer you, the lust of the flesh, these are these categories. And I say when we get to 1 John for our, um, uh, uh, our uh, verse-by-verse Bible study, we'll go into these categories. But all this stuff can be in these three categories. All these stuff fit into these three categories. He says all that the world has to offer you fits into these three categories. It's either the lust of the flesh, it's either the lust of the eyes, 
or it's the pride of life. And that's all that the world has to offer you. And the issue with that is, is that if you love it, then you are literally lusting after or desiring or chasing after things that God is not offering you, okay? That those things do not come from, there's nothing that comes from God that will appeal to the lust of your flesh. There is nothing that comes from God that will appeal to the lust of eyes. And there's nothing that comes from God that will uh, appeal to or exalt uh, uh, pride of life, right? Now watch this, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, lust just means a strong desire for something to fulfill a selfish one or some sort of self-pleasure. That's what it means. When we talk about lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes, we're talking about a strong desire because that's what lust is. And it doesn't always have to be sexual. We're just talking about a strong desire for something, but that something is only to fulfill a selfish one. Watch this. Or a selfish pleasure or something for self-pleasure. Some of us have this strong desire to only fulfill a, 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 a fleshly desire or a selfish want, and we, and we attack and go after like church stuff to get it, okay? Positions and importance and this and that and, 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 and a mate and all this other kind of stuff and money. I want money from God, you know what I mean? And so I have this lust of the flesh, but I'll, I'll even use church to get what I want because I've got this strong desire and I got to get what I want at any cost. Okay. The pride of life, the feeling of self-sufficiency, look how great I am. Look at all my great accomplishments. Okay. And so these are the things that the world has to offer. Right. And these things don't come from God. Now, not only are we told, watch this, not to be, not to love the world and not to love the things in the world. We are also told, it goes further, it goes further that we shouldn't even be friends with the world. You know, what's the team telling? What love got to do with it? Okay, take love out. You ain't got to love the world. Don't even be friends with the world. Watch this, James 4, uh, 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. This is where this whole study came from. Do you not know that friendship with the world, the way the world do things, the, the priority of the world, the glitz, the glamour, the things that they say you should have this by now, you should have that by now, and where's your, your you know, your, 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 your four-bedroom, three-bathroom house with a two-car garage and a white picket fence, where's your spouse by now, where's the three kids, where's the six-figure income, all this stuff that the world say you're supposed to, don't even be, like to be friends with that, right, is to, be, is to be enmity with God. For who therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Okay. That's James 4, 4. And so it says, not only should we not love the world and not love the things in the world, it says that we shouldn't even be friends with the world. Okay. Because if I'm a friend of the world, then I'm an enemy of God. Right. And here's another thing, how it goes uh, even further that Jesus himself says that we shouldn't even expect the world to want to be friends with us. So don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. Don't be friends with the world and do not expect the world to be friends with you. Man, how much stuff do we do? How much ripping and running around? How much self-change and all this other kind of stuff we try to do in order for people to like us, for people to accept us, for us to try to fit in, for us to have people think that we're great because we want to have that, 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 that pride of life or we have that lust of the eyes or that lust of the flesh and we want everyone else to validate us and we want the world to validate us. Even the church does this. The church, we want the world to validate us as, and, and what happens is, is that God is saying that to even want to be free Friends with that puts you at odds with God. Watch this. I'm going to read the Bible. John 15, 18 through 19. John 15, 18 through 19. This is New King James Version. This is Jesus speaking, okay? Now, remember, at Impact, we read the Bible, and we, see, we, read, we read what Jesus says. We read the stuff, and he says what he says, okay? That's right, Ma. We're not supposed to fit in with the world. Here we go. Here's what Jesus says. If the world hates you... 
Keep in mind that it hated me first, okay? <laughs> Jesus, he says, don't expect the world to like you. He says, if the world hates you, you got to keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, all right? If you, if you belong to the world, the world would love you uh, as its own. He says, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you, watch this, out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Jesus said, listen, you don't belong to the world. Why do we spend so much time trying to belong to a system and to a culture and to a society and to a mindset and to a priority list that we don't belong to? Come on. I can't say in one end that God has called me out, but then everything that I do is to try to fit back in. If I've been called out, I've been called out. Come on. I have to learn to be comfortable with being called out. That part of that whole being called out is, is that like my just type, I don't fit in what anymore. He says, but I have chosen you out of this world. That is that that is why the world hates you. And so it's explaining to you right now that the fact that I even called you out is why the world hates you. What's that scripture says, you know, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Watch this. Who should show forth the praises of him who did what? Who have called you, who have called Rick, who've called Sierra, who called Perrin, called Denise, called Mike, who have called you out of darkness, okay, into his marvelous light. And we understand that light has no fellowship with darkness, that darkness can't stand being in the light, okay? And so we see this. So, so, so Jesus tells us what? He tells us, don't expect the world to be friends with you. We read in the Bible that we're not, in James, that we're not supposed to be friends with the world. We read that we're not supposed to love the world, nor love the things in the world, right? So we see this with clarity. But here's where the conflict happens, that while I'm not supposed to love the world, why I'm not supposed to love the things in the world, why I'm not supposed to be friends with the world, and why I'm not even supposed to expect the world to be friendly to me, the conflict is what about the world in me? What about the world's system, the world's priorities, the worldliness? Uh, what about, that's a real church term too, worldliness. What about the worldliness in me? Come on, listen, listen. It's okay, you don't have to admit it. There's some people in the Bible like Paul who admitted it, and we'll talk about that in a second. What about, I'll talk about me. What about the stuff in me, right? All right, 1 Peter 2, 9 is the scripture. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, First Peter 2. Oh, yeah, it's the scripture that I just talked about, who have called you out of darkness. And thank you, Ma. <laughs> I was like, what scripture are you talking about? Yeah, no, First Peter 2.9. Um, and so how can I be called out, right? Uh, that, 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 so, so now that I'm not supposed to love the world, I'm not supposed to love the things in the world, I'm not supposed to be friends with the world or expect the, the world to be friends with me. But what happens when the world is inside of me? How can I not love it when it's inside of me? Watch this. How can I not love it when it's inside of me? And how can I not love it when there have been times in my life, uh, if I'm honest, that, that I loved it? That not only is the world in me, I loved it being in me. And I let it direct my life. And I let it direct my decisions. And I let it, and I let it lead me uh, down paths that I know I shouldn't have gone through. I see you, Ma. Like, what happens when, 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 the, when, when I'm not supposed to love it, but it's in me, and I'm used to following it? I'm used to following it. I'm used to pacifying it. I'm used to giving it whatever it wants. I'm used to chasing after whatever it desires. I'm used to even, watch this, I'm, I'm used to even faking like it's not there. 
Come on, y'all. In church, I'm used to faking like it's not even there. I'm used to, I'm used to, look, I'm used to doing whatever it wanted to do on Friday and whatever it wanted to do on Saturday. And then I'm used to going to church and singing, or then I'm used to church to going to church and dancing. And then I'm used to going to church and preaching. I'm used to acting. I'm used to, I look, I'm used to acting like it's not even there. Like it's not even an issue. Like I don't even deal with it. I don't even struggle with it. So I love it and I can cover it up. Come on. This is good the second time around. Come on, y'all. I'm used to, I'm, let's look, look, what do I do about that? I love it. I follow it. I've even got good enough to cover it up and make it look like it ain't there. Fooling myself, fooling y'all. Come on. So let's establish it. Okay, let's not stay here too long. I see you, Charmaine. Come on. I'm preaching. Listen, Charmaine put yes. That means I'm preaching tonight. Here we go. Okay. We've got to move from this. But I'm even good at covering it up. Come on, y'all. Here we go. Um, so let's establish it. James 1, 13 through 14. James 1, 13 through 14. Man, that's the Holy Spirit right there. I knew he had new stuff for us. I'm even used to covering it up and even acting like it's not there. But what do I do with it? God knows it's there. And I, and I know it's there. Here we go. James 1, 13 through 14. Uh, so let's just, let's just establish this. We got it because we got to understand this. Here we go. Uh, let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by God, okay? So when I feel that I'm tempted uh, with, with, with being drawn to the things of the world, I've got to understand that, I'm, that it's not God doing that, okay? So I can't say, oh, God's testing me, you know, with this particular sin. But God's not testing you. God would never, God's not tempted by evil, and he would never tempt you with evil. The Bible says that, right? Uh, uh, it says, uh, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt, he himself tempt anyone with evil. But each one is tempted when he is what? Drawn away by what? His own desires and enticed, okay? So we got to make, if you got your Bibles open, make sure you underline or highlight or circle, maybe underline, circle, and highlight, own by his own own desires, okay? James says that God does not tempt us, uh, but and he doesn't even, he says God doesn't tempt us, but he also says the world doesn't tempt us, okay? He says we are tempted when we're drawn away to something, right, by the, by our own desires, okay? So so it's not God tempting us, it's not even the world tempting you, okay? What is, what is, you're tempted when you're drawn away, he says drawn away. You ever seen a magnet where you've got I don't even really have it. I don't have a magnet, but I've got these two. I got a, I got Sierra's eyeglass case and I got my phone. So, so you ever see a magnet? If you got one right here, that's strong. It can, it'll pull the other one to it to stick. It's like, this is us and the magnet of the world, but it says, I'm only tempted when I'm drawn to it. Come on. And I can't be drawn to it. If the other piece of the magnet, the attachment is not in the, in this already or on this already. And so I'm only drawn to it. If you're not looking on video, you won't get what I'm saying, but I'm, but I'm drawn and pulled to it because it's in me. It doesn't matter what the world is tempting me with. If it's not in me, I'm not attracted to it like a magnet. So I'm not drawn to it. You ever wonder why you're drawn to certain sins and not to others? Because that's not in you. Okay. But there are, but there is sin in you and the world has it out here and you're drawn by what's already inside of you. Okay. And so it says it's, it, so you're only tempted when it's our, when it's in you and you're drawn to it by your own desires. Right now let's go to Mark 7, 21, 23. But we got to establish this. All right. 
We got to establish it. Watch this. Watch this. Mark 7, 21, 23, uh, 21 through 23. He, uh, this is Jesus. Uh, so the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they try to trap him here. Um, uh, and, and I believe it had a lot to do with like, like with what you eat and, you know, how do your disciples, you know, eat that in, really wash their hands properly and also the kind of stuff. So Jesus says this as they were trying to trap him. He says, uh, for from without of the heart of men proceeds evil thoughts. Come on, we in this list. Proceeds evil thoughts, uh, adulteries, fornications, murderers, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an, eye, uh, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. Come on, somebody. Listen, listen, Jesus is saying that all these things, and we might have seen ourselves on this list. You don't have to say which one is yours, but one of them is, <laughs> or at least in the, in the past. We won't have no problem saying, yeah, in the past, I dealt with this. So in the past, at some point in time, we had an issue with evil thoughts, with adulteries, with fornications, with murders, with thefts, with covetousness, with wickedness, deceit, with lewdness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. We all, and Jesus is saying that all this stuff, comes from what? Comes from within and defile a man. Jesus said it's not, you can read that whole, that whole passage in Mark 7. He says it's not from what's outside or what someone eats that defile them. He said it's, for, it's what's already inside of a man that defiles them. Jesus is saying that there is nothing from the outside of you that is defiling you. That what is defiling you, come on, Denise, that what is defiling you is what's already in there. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to start preaching everything twice. All right, so watch this. Watch this. He says, uh, let's move. So the truth is, uh, there are things inside of me that are opposite of what God wants, right? And the world is full of those things, and I'm drawn to it, okay? Listen, unless we can be real, let's be honest, and let's be real, okay, that there, that there are things inside of me that are opposite of what God wants, and that are opposite of what God gives, and that are opposite of the things of God, right? And that the world is full of it, and I'm drawn to it. That's just the truth, okay? Now watch this. So now the question is exactly where we started. Now how do I not love, and how do I not be friendly to the things that I am drawn to, okay? How, how then? You're right. There is a lot. You're right, parent. Listen, I see you see. Yeah, we need God to help us. Listen, so how, how, how can I now uh, uh, live? How do I live? How do I not love? How do I not be friendly to the things this, in this world, despite the fact that there's something inside of me that's drawn to it? Okay, now watch this. Here, here are the steps. Here are the steps. We'll, we'll go, we've got, what, five of them. Uh, uh, step number one. Part number one is we need to take responsibility. Okay. We need to take responsibility. James said that we are tempted not by God, but we are tempted when we are drawn away by our own lust. We need to take responsibility that it's on me. This is on me. I can't blame others. I can't give you excuses. I can give you reasons, but even a reason is not an excuse. It's on me. It's not parents' fault. It's not Charmaine's fault. I blame Sierra for a lot of stuff. It ain't her fault, okay? I got to stop doing it. No, I'm messing around. I don't really blame Sierra for anything. Well, I do, well, I'm not going to get into it. But I can't, <laughs> I'm just messing around. I can't, I got to take responsibility, okay? I can't blame others for it. There's no excuses. Now watch this. 
Paul sets the example for taking responsibility for his actions in Romans 7, 15 through 20. Go to Romans 7, 15 through 20. Now, what I did um, is, is I take it from the NLT because Paul used some, you can tell he was in a confusing state because he explains it in a confusing way. And so I use the NLT because that, um, uh, you can call it a translation or a synopsis. Um, you know, I don't really want to get into the theology of, of, of what versions and translations are what, but um, uh, it, it, it breaks it down uh, better to understand. So here we go. Romans 7, 15 through 20. Here's Paul, okay? Remember, we study Paul's books in the New Testament. Uh, man, I mean, we're talking Romans. We're talking Galatians. We're studying Ephesians right now. So this is Paul saying this, all right? Now watch this, verse 15. He says, I really don't understand myself. Stop right there. He didn't even finish the sentence. It said, I don't understand myself, comma. Let's stop at the comma. Has anyone ever felt like they just don't understand themselves, that there's a conflict from within you? And you're like, I do not get myself. I don't understand who I am. I don't understand why I've been saved this long and still dealing with this. I don't understand why this is a problem for me, but that's not a problem for me. I don't understand why everybody else seemed like they got it going on. I don't understand why this is still a struggle. I, I don't understand me, okay? I Listen, I go to church. And I read my Bible. You know, uh, I give money. I listen to, to Christian radio. I do all that. I, I watch TD Jakes on TBN. I do what I'm supposed to do. And I still have this war from inside of me. We're just like Paul, where Paul says, I don't really understand myself. He says, for what I want to do, what is right. But I don't do it. Have you ever said, listen, man says currently, I want to do what's right. However, I don't do what's right. He says, instead, I do what I hate. Meaning, listen, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. But the things that I do, I actually hate what I do. I don't like the fact that I do this. I don't like this is not, this is not me. I don't understand this. So watch this. Verse 16, he says, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, it shows that I agree that the law is good. Watch this. So he's, he's saying, I don't want to do this. I hate it. This is sin. This is, this is not where I want to be, but I still do it. And the very fact that I know it's wrong shows that I know what is right. Come on. Like the fact that I eat, listen, the fact that I know this is wrong and the fact that I hate doing it, um, or even if I like doing it, I know it's wrong. And so the fact that I even know it's wrong and I know what's right shows me that there's something in me that doesn't want to do this, that the real me ain't about this, right? Now, here we go, verse 17. So I am not the one doing wrong. Watch this. He says, it is the sin living in me that does it. Remember what James said, that I'm, I am tempted when I'm drawing my own lust. And it says, and when we fall in temptation and, and, and we go into sin, death comes. And so what he's saying is it is, the, it is the sin living in me that does this. He said, it's not me, it's the sin living in me. Watch this. Do I love my neighbor enough? Do I love anyone on this call enough to understand that it is not, it, listen, it is not Charmaine that comes at me. It's not Eugenia. That, it, is, it, it is possibly a sin that is in them that's doing it. And they don't even want to do it, but they're doing it because it's in them. Come on, watch this, that they could be just as confused about who they are as I am about who I am. And it just happens that whatever they did hurt me. Now watch this, verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, okay? He says that I know that nothing good lives in me, right? He says, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. 
I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You see how confusing he is? And how many of us have been in that situation right there where we see all of that stuff where it's like the stuff I don't want to do, I do. The stuff that I do want to do, I don't do it. And I hate doing it. And I know that I'm wrong. Uh, it, it says, but I end up doing it anyway. Then in verse 20, he says, but what if I do, uh, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing the wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. See, the most important point that we're learning here when it comes to Paul is very simple. What, it's taking that responsibility. Let's read through this real quick. I just want to show you some things. Look at the language he used. He says, I, myself, I. Uh, he says, but I don't. He says, I do. I hate. If I know, I am doing wrong. I agree. Uh, so I am not doing it. Sin that, What? in me. Then he says, I know. Then he says, in me, in my sinful nature. He says, is right, but I can't. I want to do good, but I don't. I don't want. He's not, listen, he's not blaming anybody else. He is doing a self-examination for who he is and where he is currently. Like parents put in the thing, currently. Okay. So, so, so number one, we need to take responsibility. I'm the one, it's in me. I'm dealing with this. This is in me. This, this, is not, this is not Mike. This is not Sierra. This is me. This is, it, ain't, it ain't anybody else. Okay? Now watch this. Number two, and this is a very important one, but we got to take responsibility first. Number one is take responsibility. Number two is understand where to go for help. Okay? We got to understand where to go from help, for help. We, listen, we can't go to everybody for help. It doesn't matter how long they've been in church. It doesn't matter how, what their title is. It doesn't matter. It could be me. There's some things you, you can't come to me for everything, okay? Listen, we need to understand, number one, where to go for help first, okay? And, where we, and, and here we go, uh, Hebrews 4, 15 uh, through 16. I see you, Ma. You're right. Uh, thank you, Sierra, for typing this out. Understand where to go for help. Um, uh, uh, here we go. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Listen, Jesus can sympathize with your weakness. He can relate to you being tempted. Well, here's what it says, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Here's what is so crazy about this statement. And this may even have to be a whole Bible study when we get into the divinity, divinity of Jesus. I guess we can cross it when we get to Hebrews. But, but understand when it says that Jesus, watch this, was in all points tempted as we are. But the Bible says that we're only tempted when we're drawn away by what? Our own desires, which is crazy because it shows us how Jesus was fully human, even with the desires that tempted him while he was here, but at the same time was fully divine which is why he didn't sin, okay? It's not saying that he sinned, but he was tempted. And I'm looking at this like, you mean that if I believe the Bible is true, I just read in James what, how we are tempted, right? That God doesn't tempt us. God never tempted Jesus. We're not tempted, all right? But, we're, but we, we are tempted when we're drawn away, what? By our own desires. The Bible says here that Jesus at all points, at all, see, a lot of us weren't, aren't even tempted at all points. We're tempted at some points. There's some things we're tempted with, some things we're not tempted with. But Jesus was tempted at all points. You mean to tell me that Jesus, listen, part of the cross he had to bear here on earth was to also have all these temptation points that all of humanity has inside of them. He had to bear that inside of him? Come on. The only way he was tempted was if he was, could be drawn away by his own desires. So those things were inside of fully human with that ability to be tempted the same way humans are, right? However, without sin, fully human, fully divine. 
we can get into that study if we really want to get into it, but I think it's pretty simple and pretty plain. I mean, it's not, you know, it says Jesus was tempted at all points as we were. And the only time that we're tempted is when we're drawn away by our own uh, uh, desires. And so if Jesus was tempted the same way we were, then Jesus was tempted when he was drawn away by something that was in him. Human, okay? But remember, fully human, fully divine. That's crazy. Blew my mind. But that's not the point. Let's keep moving. Um, uh, yeah, that's, this is like a real Bible study. If I was to do it. So here we go. Uh, verse 16. He says, let us therefore, watch this. This, this, is, where, this is where we kind of know where to go, go to help. So therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Watch this. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I am fully convinced that, once, that, that, that if we could get in our minds that when I come to the throne of grace, that I'm not telling you not to pray for a new job. Because listen, Sometimes we, I'm not telling you not to pray for a new car because sometimes you need that, 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 that uh, ability to travel. And God will bless you with that. But we need to spend so much of our time coming to the throne of grace for literally just mercy and grace to help us in a time of need. Okay, watch this. Imagine if every time we had this temptation pulling us, that what I did was go to the throne of grace and ask for mercy and ask for grace to help me in my time of need, as opposed to asking for some of the material things that I asked for. Again, I'm not down and asking for those stuff. I mean, if you need something, we got to pray about it. We pray about it. We ask that God moves on our behalf. You know what I mean? Because we have access to the throne of grace, you know? But my point is, is that when we feel these temptations and the way that we try and the way that we aren't drawn to, or don't love the things that we're drawn to is that when we feel that pull and when we feel that draw, we go to Jesus who was at all points tempted just like me. And, but he didn't sin. So now I can go to the throne of grace and I can obtain mercy and I can obtain grace to help me in a time of need. So number one, so number two, I got to know uh, where to go for help. So number one was we need to take responsibility. Number two was understand where to go for help. Number three, I need to understand that I'm not of this world. Okay. So I don't love the world, uh, even if it's in me, because I'm not of this world. A couple of scriptures, um, and, and I'm, I'm going to give them to you and read them. Um, but if someone wants to type them out in the, in the thing, uh, that'd be great because you can kind of read them on your own time. Just want to run uh, through them real quick. First Peter 2.11, First uh, Peter 2.11, uh, which says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. That's literally what Peter was talking about. The right that I want to do. I, I mean, uh, Paul, I want to do right, but then I don't. And then the good that I want to do, I don't do it. And then I don't understand myself from this. Some of us feel that war raging inside of us. But what he is saying is I'm warning you as temporary residents and foreigners that you are temporarily here, that this is not your place. This is not your home, that you are foreigners here. This is not your world. He says, keep away from worldly desires. Why? Because the worldly desires, what? They wage war against your very souls. Some of us keep ourselves in the same position and in the same places and in the same relationship dynamics and in the same groups and at the same places that puts us right where these worldly desires are, or at least it doesn't take us away from it. And then it rages war against our very souls. John 15, 19. John 15, 19 says, if you were of the world, this is Jesus speaking, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. We read that one earlier. And so we see again, Jesus establishing that his believers, not of this world. Now again, John 18, 36. John 18, 36. 
Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then, my, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom uh, not from hence or not far from here. So this is Jesus now saying that my kingdom's out of this world. So if I'm shouting kingdom, 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 I'm a kingdom person, kingdom, I'm all about kingdom, then, then I'm not of this world. And the things that I do, the world won't understand. And I'm not friends of the world. So we got to understand uh, that I'm not of this world. That's, that's number three. Uh, so what we got? We got, we got number one, uh, we need to take responsibility. Number two, we got to understand where to go for help. Uh, number, uh, uh, number three, we got to understand that we're not of this world. Uh, and uh, let's see, number four, we got two more. Number four, we need to be renewed from the inside out. We have to continuously work and continuously work out our own soul salvation, as the Bible says. We have to continually to work on the inside so that as we're going through the sanctification process and as we're being cleaned from the inside out, the outward will then change. Romans 12, 1, 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, and then, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? Renewing your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That the only way that we cannot be conformed to this world and is, to be, is to transform our mind. And the only way we can transform our mind is by meditating on the word of God and meditating on the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That we get transformed from the inside out. And that the only way that that's going to happen is if we put in the work to change uh, inside first and then out. Listen, we talked about the whole, the, the whole thing about in the beginning that, listen, I can cover up stuff that's inside of me and make you think that I'm living right. Done it for years. I understand how to do it, know how to make it work. But, but what we're talking about when we're saying, how do I not love this stuff that I'm drawn to is to work that stuff out uh, from the inside out. And as a matter of fact, we did, um, did a teaching about patterns. I remember our, our series on patterns. We talked about the pattern of change from the inside out. And so if you need more on that, you can probably go back to that series um, to, 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 to see all the kind of steps we did about um, uh, the pattern of change from the inside out. Uh, and so what we have, we've got, uh, we need to take responsibility. We need to understand where to go for help. Uh, we need to understand that we're not of this world. Uh, we need to be renewed from the inside out. And number five, uh, the final one is I need to deny myself. It's so simple. Number five is I need to de- deny myself. Straight up, I just need to tell myself no. No, you can't have that. No, you can't do it. No, I need to tell myself no. And, 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 and sometimes we're in the habit of our flesh leading the way of any desire we want, we go for it. And as a matter of fact, remember what the, work, the, the culture tells, anything I work hard for, I can get. Anything that I want, I can get. I can go for whatever. Listen, I need to tell myself straight up no. If I got a problem with finances and I find myself always in debt, I need to tell myself, don't buy that. You don't need it. You don't need the drama that's going to come with that interest rate on that credit card. Listen, tell myself no. But we're not used to telling ourselves no. We're used to doing whatever we want to do, even with, even with religion and even with Christianity and even with following God. We're used, listen, we'll read the Bible. We talk about this. Uh, we'll read the Bible and we'll try to finesse it to make me feel comfortable with where I'm at, as opposed to just changing and living the way the Bible says to live. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. Yeah, I get you, my. That's a hard one for me, too. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 9, 25, 27. It says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Watch this, 26. Therefore, uh, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air. 
this is the kicker right here, y'all. Here's, here's Paul, watch this. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. There it is. Listen, he says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Sometimes, listen, this is why when it comes to following the word of God and it comes to following the Holy Spirit and it comes to doing the good that you know to do and doing the thing that you know is the right thing to do. Here's why, here's why there's no big or small decision with that is that while on the surface, it may look like a small decision. You know, well, I really feel the Holy Spirit is telling me to do this, but with, ah, it's not really a big thing, so I'm just going to do my own thing. Is the fact that eventually you're going to come across a situation where you need to make a big decision. And if you're not used to telling yourself no with small decisions, you ain't going to tell yourself no with big decisions. When there's a little bit on the line and a little bit of sacrifice and you don't tell yourself no, you're never going to tell yourself no when there's a lot on the line and a lot of sacrifice needed. And we have to learn how to be disciplined and how to discipline our body and how to bring ourselves into subjection. And it's so funny because, you know, we, we know the scripture. We've heard this whole thing about subje- uh, subjection and bringing, in, and bringing things into conformity, where we talk about casting down imaginations. That's in 1 Corinthians 2, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought, right? So we know about bringing into ca- captivity those thoughts and, 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 and fixing them, right, on the things of God. It's the same thing with my physical body and the things that I do and the things that I go after, right? Is that I discipline it and I bring Bring it into subjection. Watch this, that when I don't feel like following the word, I make myself follow the word. I'm not saying I got it. I'm not saying I do it all the time. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit, I'm just telling you what the Bible says and what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying, how I'm trying to live. I'm not, I'm not preaching from a, point, a, a place of perfection or a place of I've got it. I'm just preaching from a place of this is what the Bible says, right? And listen, that I, that I, I, need, to, I need to discipline my body that even when I don't feel like following the word and the sin that's in me is drawn like a magnet to the things of this world that I know how to tell my body, you cannot have it. I don't care how strong the pull is. I don't care how strong the magnet is. I don't care what it, I'm not allowing you to attach yourself to that because I can bring you into subjection and I can bring you into, into obedience. I see you, I can bring you into obedience uh, and I can subject myself and I can be disciplined, right? And I can tell myself no. How do I not love the things that I'm drawn to? I can't love the world, can't love the things in the world, don't be friends with the world, but what happens when the world is in me and I'm drawn to this stuff? Like James says, I'm only tempted when, it, when, it, when it's in me and I, and, and I see it and I want it. I need to take responsibility that it's in me. It's nobody else. It's not the world. It's not, listen, I can blame the devil all I want to. Sometimes we sit here and say the devil, the devil, the devil. The devil's like, what you blaming me for? I, I didn't do anything. Like that's in you, dog. And so we, I got to take responsibility because it ain't the devil. It ain't the world. It ain't Sierra. It, it, you know, it's not it. It's, it's in me. Take responsibility. Number two, I need to understand where to go for help and go there for the help, right? So I understand where to go and I got to go there for the help. Uh, number three, understand um, uh, that we are not of this world, right? And so I'm not of this world. I don't love the things of this world because it's not my final stop. This is not my final rest. But thank God this is not the fi- This is not it. Uh, uh, four is we need to be renewed from the inside out. I need to renew myself on the word of God from the inside out, right? And then number five, I need to deny myself straight up tell myself no. All right, y'all, let's pray.